Come on, one more time. Let's sing it strong. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. Pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise Hallelujah. Come on, let's give him a praise offering here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Just nudge your neighbor and tell him that's not even your breath. You really think about it, we're not doing much when we do praise him because we're just giving back to him what he's already given us. Amen. Amen. But isn't it awesome that when we do that, that he honors it as a sacrifice of praise. Amen. Praise God. And we're so thankful for that today. Give our worship team a good God bless you this morning. Brother Anthony's on the injured reserve list today, and uh, we need to pray for him. He's dealing with this flu and sickness. We thank God for the team that will just step up and continue right on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so uh, last week I started looking at this uh, valley in the or miracle in the valley, and and um, <clears throat> started sharing with you some things there, and it's just continued to stir and. It's not because I don't have something else to say, but I do believe that we need to hear something here today. So we started looking at miracle in the valley in Ezekiel chapter 37. The Bible says that, that the Lord would take the prophet in a vision and he would carry him into a valley that was full of dry bones. And he said that they were very dry and he asked him the question, can these bones live? And his response was, only you know, Lord. Amen. Have you ever been in that place where you didn't know and the only one that did know was God? Lord, only you know. And he began to tell the prophet to, to specific directions, instructions on how to get victory. He says to him to prophesy to these bones and I will cause breath to come unto them. Right? And then he goes on and tells him what to prophesy. And, and there's times in our life when we're in a valley, in a place of dryness, that we can't just say what we feel, what our emotions are telling us or dictating to us, but we've got to hear what God has said and say what God says, right? And so he told him, gave him specific words and told him in his act of obedience to do that, that he would cause breath to come. And then we said that there's three things that must happen in this valley for us to come out of the valley. First of all, the bones have got to come together. That speaks to us about the power of connectivity. When we come together, we must be connected, right? And one reason that we stay in valleys longer than we should is because that we don't know how to connect with other folk. Amen. Well, let me say it like this. Two are better than one. <laughs> 
and a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And so when we have oneness and unity and we come together, then we are able to help one another come out of the valley. And so it is isolation is the grounds of destruction. If you uh, isolate yourself, you will be destroyed. The enemy will take you out, right? And so we have to come together. We've got to connect. And then he said, I'll call sinew to come upon it. That's commitment because the word sinew means a piece of tough fibrous tissue uniting muscle to bone or bone to bone, tendon or ligament. It is, it is what, uh, it, what breaks us is the fact that when people tell us that they are connected to us, but then they can't love us hard enough in times of our humanity. Amen. Three of you know what I'm talking about. Amen. But it is true that people will say I'm connected to you as long as it's a good time. But there, are, how many know there's always going to be tough times? And, and we cannot allow that just to be in time, good times, but sinew is what brings the body strength. It is what causes us to be mobile without letting the bones pull apart. It's what causes us to be able to do what we do and still stay together. And so some folks only want to be connected as long as it's comfortable, but you've got to have some commitment. Say commitment. Amen. Amen. Commitment. And then he said, I'm going to call skin to come, which is the covering. And so the bones have to come, the sinew has to come, and the skin has to come. But the Bible said that there was no breath in them. And so we said last week that he told him to prophesy and I will cause breath to come into it. And the first thing he promised is the last thing he performed because it is a process of connecting, of committing, and covering that causes life to come into your situation. And when we receive that uh, a connection, commitment, and covering, then breath can come into us and we can stand up and become the army that God wants us to be. Can somebody say amen? And so <clears throat> that's what took me 45 minutes to tell you last week. Amen. But today I want to turn your attention to another valley and we find it in Hosea chapter 2 and I'll read verse 14 and 15. It is the valley of Achor. He said, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. And I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. Amen. I will give her a the valley of Achor for a door of hope. When you look at this word Achor, the word Achor means trouble. And God says, I'll give her the valley of trouble for a door of hope. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? I'll give you the valley of trouble to bring you, to direct you, to guide you into a door of hope. Now, this valley, it may have gotten its name, it may have originated from 
when Israel, because of what happened there with the children of Israel, because when you go back to Joshua chapter 7 and looking at verse 22 through 24, it says Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent and there that was hidden in the tent silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan and uh, his son, the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and he brought it to the valley of Achor. This is the story, you know, that when that what took place here in the valley of Achor is they took uh, this man and took him and his family and all of his herd and everything he owned, removed it from Israel, took it to Achor, and Achan and his entire family were stoned to death. They were destroyed because they had taken the tenth or the first fruit of Jericho. The spoils of Jericho, it, he, couldn't, he couldn't resist it when he seen the Babylonian garment, when he seen the gold and the silver, when he seen all of the spoils, he could not help himself and he took from that that God said that this belongs to me because the first always belongs to God. Can you say amen? And so the first belongs to God, and God said, you bring that to me. Everything that is in Jericho, the spoils thereof, belongs to me. And then all the rest of the spoil you can enjoy. But the first belongs to me. Achan couldn't handle it. And so when he seen all of this, he started taking it, and he went and he hid it. And now they go to Ai, right? a little old town, a little old city, and they just sent a part of the team in there. They thought they could take it out in no time, and they came to be a place of destruction, and they found out that sin was in the camp. They found out that sin was in the camp. They found out that something wasn't right in the house. Have you, have you ever just in your own life realized something ain't right? Something's not working right. Something's not going right. Something's not doing right. And and then you have to start searching ourselves and say, is there anything in me that's not like you, God? Amen. Is there something in me, God, that's separating me from your blessing? Because I know it's not on your side, so it's got to be on mine. But, but, but just reveal it. Show it to me. So I, and, and so they begin to pray. The leadership began to pray. And, and we see that Achan comes to the forefront. And, and he, is, he is exposed for, for stealing from, the, from what God said to set apart. And, and when Israel started talking about this place from that day forward... Uh, we see that it, Achor is known as a place of trouble. Wherever Israel talked about the place, they always referred to this valley as a place of trouble because of what happened there to Achan. In Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 9 and 10, it said, I will bring forth the descendants of Jacob and from Judah and the heir of the mountains, my elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. And verse 10, Sharon shall be the flocks, a fold by flocks, and the valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down for my people who have sought me. 
Amen? And so all the valley of Achor is a place now where the herds lay down, where people that sought me, he's, in other words, he's painting a picture that Achor is a place of rest. It is a place that is agriculturally, it is, has abundance. But now because of a bad situation that happened many years ago to one person, now a place of abundance, a place of rest has been known as a place of trouble. Has it ever crossed your mind that the very places in your life that God wants to bless you, that God wants to bring you rest, that the enemy will cause one circumstance or one situation or one difficult thing or one thing not going right, that it'll cause you to think in your mind and in your spirit that that is a place of trouble and I need to stay away from it when the fact of it is God wants you to lay down right there and rest. He wants you to enjoy it. Hallelujah. You see that whenever we see that, that the, the enemy will come at us and he will try to get us to stay out of places because of circumstances or because of one thing that happened. And he wants us to de determine our theology based on what's happened to us and not what the word says. Amen. What happened to us is that we didn't have the finances and so uh, to do a thing or to, to meet a need. And so therefore we say that God doesn't supply our needs. But the Bible said he's a supplier of all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Come on somebody. Amen. We'll, we'll take our theology and change it all around because we prayed for somebody and that person died instead of getting better. But the Bible says that he healed them all. Amen. He says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's the blessing of God. It's the covenant that God gave to Abraham. Amen. In blessing I will bless you and multiply and I'll multiply you. And if we are not careful because of a, an experience we had. But listen to me. Life is not a snapshot. It's a motion picture. And if you get caught up on the picture of your life and what has happened in your life, you'll get bound to a time, a place, and a space that is never intended to be. It's just a part of the process, but it is not the end result. And so that's what happened to the children of Israel. They believed that Achor was a troublesome place, a difficult place, because of what Achan did. But it wasn't Achor that brought Achan. Achor that brought that it was Achan that brought that it was sin in his own life that caused it to happen in a bad place in a bad situation but I want you to know today that God is still God and he comes and he redeems it and he tells them in Isaiah he said I want you to know that this place is very rich you can take your cattle there they can graze they can lie down what does that mean it speaks to me I'm not just passing through but it's a place of rest it's a place of blessing it's a place of abundance but you've got to understand that in this valley is where the blessing is the valley of Achor is a place for herds to lie down they didn't just pass through it they spent time there with their herds what happened 
the place which was a source of calamity became a source of blessing. Hosea says Israel is brought his, to this valley for a door of hope. In this valley there is trouble once, but now it comes to the children of Israel, the people of God, it becomes a place of blessing. Are you walking with me? It becomes a place of blessing. Now I wonder how many times we refuse to go back to a place because we had trouble there. I read the story when the man of God came and a lion came out against him. And the Bible said he slew the lion and he was alone. He was by himself. His mother, his father didn't know it. Nobody knew that he slew the lion. And the Bible said on his way back, he didn't go another direction. He went back by where the lion came out. How many know that in our life, when the lion comes out in our life, we'll try to go another direction. We'll go find an alternate route. We'll even go out of the way because fear grips our heart. And we say, if there's one lion there, there's probably another lion there or maybe multiple. So we don't want to, but but this man of God said, I've got to go back by where the lion was. Hallelujah. And what happened? You know the story. When he went back, the Bible said that that he found honey in the lion's mouth. Hallelujah, sweetness in a place where the fight was. Sweetness in a place where the enemy tried to take him out and tried to destroy him. But now there's sweetness in his enemy's mouth. I want somebody to know today that the very place that you're going to find strength, the very place that you're going to find hope, the very place that's going to become sweet in your life is the very place that the enemy attacked you. He tried to destroy you, but don't Don't you fear that place because it's the very place that God is going to cause blessing to come to your life. If you believe it, give him praise here today. He gave him the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Sometimes God has to bring us into a place of trouble before we'll look for him. Amen. Sometimes it's the pressure of life that calls us to look for the door. Jesus said, I am the door. And in the place of trouble, he brings us there so that we can have a door of hope. And the pressures of life, the circumstances of life that are squeezing in on us and pressuring us cause us to look to the hills from where comes our help. First Samuel chapter 17, verse number 1. It says there, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. And they were gathered together in the valley which belongeth to Judah. They pitched there between the valley. Interesting to me. This is the story of David and Goliath. 
And it's interesting to me that Goliath comes to the valley that belongs to Judah. We all know Judah means praise. So this giant comes to the valley of praise to pick a fight. Your enemy isn't fighting you over what has happened. Your enemy's not even fighting over you over what is happening because it can't be stopped. But your enemy is fighting you over what is to come. What is taking place. And the Bible teaches us that for whenever the children of Israel would go out of one land or a place into another, it was who that led the fight? The tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah would always go first. Who would be the ones that would close it up? It would be the tribe of Dan. Judah being praised would open up a new place. It would open up new territory. Praise would go in before uncharted territory and would begin to open up a place so that the children of Israel, the people of God, could enjoy a new place and a new anointing, a new atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. And then at the end of it, Dan would come and Dan is the tribe of judges. Are you with me? Amen. Judah would open a place, but Dan would close the place. And they would, as they would march through the land, Dan would begin to judge. And he would say, we did this good, but we didn't do that good. We should have done this, but we did that. Over here, we can rejoice and we need to do this some more. Because this is bringing the victory. It's honoring unto God. And Dan would march through the last ones and he would declare. And they would declare what was good and was not good. They would judge it. But Judah was the one that led them into new territory. Judah was the one that led them from one place to another place. I want to tell you today that the issues that I've that you have created in this level of life cannot be solved on this level of life. The issues that are created where you presently are spiritually cannot be solved in the same level in which they were created because you made those decisions based upon everything that you knew about God. Huh? You did the best that you could, right? Nobody is that stupid. You don't just go around being destructive. But you made the best decision choices upon what you knew. So now for in order if it didn't work, if the circumstances didn't work out, if your decisions didn't work out, now you've got to go to another level so that you can learn more of God, learn more of His Word, learn more of the things of the Spirit so that you can solve this issue over here that you didn't know how to solve, but now you're coming into a new anointing, a new level, a new place in the Spirit so you know things that are better than what you knew it over here so you can speak to that situation and say be healed, be delivered, be broken, praise God because you know more about God. Amen. It's interesting to me that Goliath comes into the valley that belongs not to Dan 
but to Judah. Amen. It tells us here in this, when we have this understanding that, that the enemy is after your praise. The enemy wants to shut you up. The enemy don't want to hear your voice lifted up. The enemy don't want you to say a word. He wants you to be mom. He wants you to be deaf and dumb. Amen. But God hasn't called us to be a deaf and a dumb church. God has called us to be able to hear the voice of heaven and begin to be able to be a prophetic voice in the earth to declare the will and the word of the Lord in the earth. Amen. And so I want you to understand here that David, when he was going out against this Goliath, that Goliath was over there in the land of praise and he was taunting the people of Israel. He didn't just show up one day. He showed up every day. For 40 days, he's out there every morning and every evening, and he is saying, send me somebody to fight. Right? Send me somebody that's a warrior. And he said, I'll tell you what you do. If, if, if you defeat me, then we'll become your servants and your slaves. But if I defeat you, then Israel will become our servants and our slaves. Amen. And, and he, so it went on. He's, he's rebelling these accusations. He is bringing this discouragement. And the discouragement is all over Israel. The whole camp is overwhelmed. Nobody wants to go fight this Goliath. He stands nine feet and nine inches tall. His breastplate weighs 126 pounds. The sword that is on his back weighs 16 pounds alone. And nobody is wanting to go out against this man called Goliath in the land valley of praise, in the valley where the voice of Israel should have been singing the praises of God, should have been lifting up the wonderful name of Jesus and giving him glory and giving him praise. But this Goliath has got the whole nation shut up. It wasn't that they had not known the goodness of God. They had seen the miracle working power of God. They had seen the grace of God. They had seen the goodness of God. They had seen his supernatural work at, in their lives. And yet in the valley of praise, nobody has a praise. Verse 34, David said to Saul, your servant used uh, to keep your father's sheep. And when the lion and the bear came, he took the lamb out of it, the flock. And after it, I struck it and delivered the lamb from the, its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David is a bad dude. Amen. 
He's the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with. Amen. He said, now, that, now this isn't fi fiction. This is reality. This is truth. Huh? Do you believe it or not? This is truth. David's out there singing praises. He creates ways to worship God. And a lion slips in and gets one of the little lambs. And he says, I went over there. I didn't get a, I didn't get a machete. I didn't get a stick. <laughs> he said, I went over there with my bare hands. I grabbed that lion. I pulled that lamb from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, he said, I hit him right between the eyes. Well, that's Matthew's translation. I don't know where he hit him, but all I know, the end result was he's dead. <laughs> Amen. Then a bear comes out. He said, I did the same thing to a bear. And you and, and all of Israel's worried about this little uncircumcised Philistine. He said the same result's going to happen to him that happened to that lion and bear. He said, I know that God's going to deliver me because he's defied God's army. And he said, the same God that delivered me from the paw of the bear and the hand of the lion is the same God that's going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Amen. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Amen. Now, how many will agree that every day you wake up, you don't feel like singing praise songs? Amen. And the rest of you, let me pray for you. It don't always wake up in the morning and, and feel like heaven's just rushing over your soul and, and glory's running everywhere and you just feel like this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Some days you got to crawl up out of that thing. Some days you got to say, I bless the Lord at all times and his praise will be in my mouth no matter what. Sometimes you've got to make a choice that I'm going to bless the Lord today because it isn't all glorious everywhere. Huh? But so how do you praise God when everything isn't glorious? How do you praise God when you don't feel anything? How do you praise God when circumstances are looking you in the face and you don't know how you're going to overcome them? I'll tell you how you do it. You go back and you draw from your past. <laughs> you draw from what God has already done for you. Because I'm telling you, if you've been saved any time along, in fact, you don't even have to be saved to have the goodness of God. But when you're a Christian, you recognize it's the goodness of God. Huh? But you see, he said, I, I, I wanted you to know that it was a lion, it was a bear. He was drawing from his past experiences and he said, God's been good to me and I know he's going to take care of this situation. I don't know what you may be facing today. I don't know what your Goliath may be, but I want to remind you today, the same God that has delivered you in days past, the same God that has answered your prayer, the same God that has brought 
brought hope where there was no hope. Amen. The same God that brought joy out of the midst of sorrow is the same God that will show up in your now and reveal his goodness and his glory in this situation because it's the good pleasure of the Father to give gifts unto his children and he will give you a miracle right in the middle of your valley. If you believe it, give him praise here today. What caused the man to do such a thing? Go out against a man nine and a half foot tall. Go out after him with a man with a sword, 16 pounds. I'll tell you what, he was a praiser. <clears throat> he was a worshiper. He didn't have to have a crowd. <laughs> he didn't have to have anybody to impress. He'd be back on the backside of the desert by himself. And he would begin to sing songs. Huh? Great are you, Lord. He would create ways to worship God. And now he comes to the valley of praise and worship and says, who is this voice? This, this voice is, is an unfamiliar voice. This voice is a strange voice. This is, this is not the right voice in this valley. Amen. Have you ever heard somebody sing off key? You don't notice all the people that can sing. You only notice the one who can't. Goliath was the voice that was off key in the valley of praise. And David wasn't there very long until he recognized that this voice didn't belong in this valley. He said, who is this that is defying God's army? And, and, and so Saul says to him, he says, they came and they said, well, nobody wants to go fight him. David said, I'll go. Saul said, you're just a kid. This man's been a warrior since he's been a kid and you're just a kid. You can't go out there. And he tells him this story of the lion and the bear. And he says, God is able to deliver me. And so he says, let God be with you. And then he begins to put this stuff on David, right? He puts, Saul takes his armor and he puts on him the brazen helmet. The, he, he puts on him all of his uh, coat of mail. He, he puts his sword on him. And David's out there trying to go to the battle. And he said, the Bible said he couldn't walk. You see the picture? He couldn't walk. David come to him and said, Mr. Saul, I appreciate your willingness to help me out and to keep me safe. But the reality is I cannot use this. I've got to use what I've already proven. I've got to use what has worked for me. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to tell you that when you're first saved that you need to hear the testimonies of other people because it's the testimonies of other people that brought you into the kingdom. Huh? 
You didn't get here on your own, but you heard the goodness of God. You heard the testimony told of somebody else and what God did in their life and what they experienced in their life. And it caused you to say in your own heart that if God did it for them, then just maybe he can do it for me. And as a result of somebody else's testimony, you came into the kingdom. Amen. But I want you to know that it's good and it's thank God for somebody else's testimony. But there comes a time in your life when somebody else's testimony won't work for you. You've got to have your own experience. You've got to know God for yourself. You've got to know that he's real. You've got to know that he is a burden removing, yoke destroying, anointing that will come upon your own life. Amen. And you've got to know for yourself that when the enemy comes in like a flame that the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy on your behalf you've got to know that he's the one that will lay his hand upon your fevered brow in the midnight hour and cause sickness to flee from your body you've got to know that when there was no way he makes a way somehow he causes money to stretch he causes blessing to come he causes favor to come upon your life and it is not about grandma's experience it's not about mama's experience thank God for that but I've got an experience of my own and it causes me to go to the valley of praise and say who is this that's defying the army of God who is this that's blaspheming the God that has delivered me in days past I will not remain silent but I will declare in this valley that God is good I will declare in this valley that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I'm able I will declare that I am rich and not poor that I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out that I am the head and not the tail that I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me I am victorious because of the blood of Jesus Christ I tell you today I've had an experience that will bring me to the valley of praise and say I refuse to be silent I refuse to be silent God's been too good to me he's answered too many prayers he's made a way when I didn't know no way come on somebody <laughs> hallelujah you can sit there if you want to but I'm going to preach myself happy today Amen. Because he's been too good to us to remain silent. Amen. When the enemy comes, whenever, whenever you are under siege, the enemy will come and try to silence your praise because he knows that your praise now is going to take you into something supernatural. So David said, I've got, can't, I appreciate everything you've got for me, Mr. Saul. But he said, I haven't proven it. I haven't proven your methods. I haven't, I haven't been able to overcome through your sword and through your shield and through, through everything. That I, I appreciate that and I appreciate that you can use it well. But, but I haven't proven it. So let me just go to the closet and get what I have proven. In verse 40, the Bible said, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five 
smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag and the pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Amen. Something jumped out at me. Number one, the very first part of this scripture, he said, and he took the sta his staff in his hand, right? He put his staff in his hand, which said the staff represents a person's life. They would put notches in that staff and it would be a place of remembrance. They would remember the goodness of God and they would put a mark on it. They would put a notch on it and they would say this, in other words, he would say, this is a time that I slew the lion. This, another notch said, this is where I slew the bear. Another notch would tell of the victories that God had brought him through. And the first thing he picks up is not his sling, but his staff. Because it is proof that God has delivered him before. It is the proof that God has been faithful to him. And so he takes the faithfulness of God and puts it in one hand. And he goes to the brook and he, and he finds him five smooth stones and he puts them in the bag. And, and somebody said, Did he, was he that bad a shot? And I said, no, he wasn't that bad a shot. He knew he had four other brothers. And he was ready to take care of business that day. Amen. He was ready to clean out the Goliath clan. And they was going to go down. But four of them had enough sense to run after they seen their big brother. He took his staff in his hand. He put five smooth stones in his pouch. And he went down and drew near to the Philistine. David choose, chose what was already proven in his life. What he had been faithful in his life in the past, he would now use it to get victory in the now. So the Bible said in verse 41, So the Philistines came and began to draw near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And the Philistine looked about and saw David in his uh, disdain for him, for he was only a youth and ruddy and good-looking. And the Philistine said to David, I'm going, uh, Am I a dog that you should come, uh, come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David and his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the, air, uh, the fowls of the air and I will give it to the beast of the field. Goliath was the voice of intimidation. I want to let you in on a little secret. If you don't know it already, the devil is a liar. And I've learned in my own life, whenever I hear his voice, when I hear his whispers, whenever he tells me something, I've learned how to laugh. Because he's dumb enough to tell me another lie. And if he's telling me this, then I can believe just the opposite's about to happen. And David goes out there and Goliath is this, this voice of intimidation, this voice of fear. And he said, you send me a little boy. And he said, I'm going to feed his flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field today. But Goliath's voice did not intimidate David. 
David said, I know what you said, but just the exact is going to happen. And today you will be fed to the beast of the field and the fowls of the air. The voice always, uh, always showed up at the time of battle. It comes to make you doubt. It comes to make you fear. It comes to make you quit. It comes to cause you to quit without even a fight. Amen. Now I've probably told you this before, but I loved watching real boxing. I know some folks may not even know him. Muhammad Ali, fast as a butterfly, sting like a bee. There ain't nobody better than Muhammad Ali. Me and granddad would set up on Friday night. You remember when they had Friday night fights? Me and granddad, that was before they knew how to have pay-per-view and all that mess get money off of you and they'd have them fights and they would interview the fighters beforehand and there were some of them would get up there and they would you know they would say oh you know we're gonna how you gonna fight well we're gonna do our best and we know that he's you know 21 and 0 and we don't know he's fast and blah 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 and, and I'm thinking yeah you're a sissy you need to get a lollipop amen Muhammad Ali never walked up there and got interviewed and they said, what, well, how are you going to win? And he, he would say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win or not. He'd look him right in the eyes, bug-eyed. He'd say, I'm going to get on you like ugly on an eight. Your mama ain't going to know who you are when I'm done with you. He said, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out. Huh? Ain't none of you know what I'm talking about. He wasn't intimidated, but he put intimidation in other people's hearts. I'm convinced that he won many fights before he ever got in the ring. Because of who people knew him to be and how he talked to them. He caused fear to come into their heart. Could they have won? Perhaps. Was he good? Yes, he was good. But it didn't mean that he was not defeatable. But yet fear got in their hearts. This is what Goliath was doing to Israel. But he's, a little shepherd boy showed up. And he said, you're not going to intimidate me. You're not going. You, this is the valley of praise. What are you talking about? Me leaving here. You feeding my flesh to the fowls of the air. I tell you today, day of Goliath, you're going to fall today. Why because, do I know you're going to fall today? Because this valley doesn't belong to the enemy this valley doesn't belong to Goliath this valley belongs to praise and I may not praise like you praise and I may not rejoice like you rejoice and you maybe have a greater shout than I've got but I'm not leaving this valley without letting my praise loose I'm not leaving this valley without a fight you may take me down but you're not going to take me down without a fight 
I've got a praise that will silence the enemy. I've got a praise that has brought me through in days past. I've brought up, got a praise that has caused sickness to flee my body. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today the goodness of God and the power of praise. You may not be able to come to this platform and preach you to this congregation, but you ought to preach good enough to preach yourself out of trouble because there's days in my life in times past when all of hell has been coming against me. A spirit of depression has come upon me and I didn't even want to get out of the bed and I couldn't preach my way out of the bed but I learned how to praise my way out of that situation. I'd raise one hand without wrath and the other without doubt and say the goodness of God is upon my life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He will sustain me in the day of my trouble. Greater is he that is in me than the world that has come against me. You can form your weapons but they will not prosper. My God is the supplier of all of my needs. When I start thinking about his goodness, when I think about his grace, I may be looking Goliath in the eye but I know that this belongs to the valley of praise. This is the place of rejoicing. This is the place where God has said, I'm going to bless you. The battle is over your praise. Have you ever thought about how hard it is to praise? Time is it's hard to praise. It's hard to worship. We've got a lot of good songs, a lot of good music, a lot of good things, but that doesn't take the place of praise. The music, the worship leaders, everything there is, is to accommodate our praise. It's not our praise. In fact, we haven't even praised until we open our mouth, until we've clapped our hands, until we have given him praise, danced our dance, shouted our shout. And it isn't always feel like it. I don't know that the church of this culture, this age even understands it but I know in days past the old church they said well you got to feel something you got to experience something you got before you know and if they didn't they call it wildfire but my God I'd welcome some wildfire today it's easier to tame a wild horse than to resurrect a dead one you'll get that on the way home amen are you with me Come on, somebody, smile or say something. Amen. And they'd say, Well, you got to feel something. You got, well, they waited for an experience. They waited for something to feel. But I'm telling you today, I'm, I'm as convinced and know it in my own life that my worship is not a response to God's presence. My, my worship is an invitation for His presence to come. 
And so when I begin to lose myself in worship and begin to lose myself in praise and I begin to glorify him, something begins to change in the atmosphere. God inhabits the praises of his people. He enthrones the praises of his people. And so when we begin to praise him, it creates a vacuum. It creates an atmosphere. It creates a place for him to come and sit down. Amen. And how many will agree with me that, that it isn't every Sunday it feels like we ought to do that. But it's when we press in. Sometimes it's glorious. Sometimes when we get here, the presence is here. We, we enter into worship and it's a wonderful thing. But I promise you that his presence is here all the time. And sometimes we got to press into it. Sometimes we got to let Goliath know that we're not going to be quiet, that we're not going to be silent, but we're going to open our mouth. We're going to clap our hands. We're going to rejoice in the Lord, not because of something I felt, but because he's good. And I begin to worship him and begin to praise him. If we only praise him when we feel like it, you won't praise him very much. But when we learn the idea and the understanding that I'm going to praise him, it creates that atmosphere that draws him. And so when we begin to praise him, even in the valley, he'll begin to move on our behalf. Amen? I said he'll begin to move on our behalf. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine and with a sling and a stone he struck the Philistine and killed him but there was no sword in David's hand and therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine took the sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Amen. It said therefore David ran. He ran toward the voice of intimidation. He ran toward the giant. He ran toward the circumstance and he cut off its head. You see, whenever the enemy falls, the, uh, the fight is not over. The Bible declares that he wasn't dead until he took the sword and cut off his head. Amen. Amen. Verse 52. I'm almost done, Amy. I'm almost out of scriptures. Verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and the gate of Akron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell among the road even as far as Gath and Akron. Akron. What caused Israel to stand up? What caused Israel to begin to rejoice as a nation? I submit to you that it was one man's praise that caused the whole nation to begin to rise up. Amen. In one man's worship, one man standing up 
caused faith to rise in all of Israel. That now not it wasn't just David that was pursuing Goliath and the enemy, but all of Israel began to pursue. And the Bible said that Israel and Judah rose and shouted. Huh? They shouted until the voice of intimidation was silenced. They shouted until the, every man in Judah was filled with faith. They shouted until the land belonging to Judah was filled with praise again. They praised God until the voice of intimidation was driven out of their land. They praised Him until everything belonging to them was recovered. They praised God until God fought their battles for them. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet this morning if you will. And I want you to put a praise in the atmosphere today. I want you to put a shout into the atmosphere today. Because we're in a, maybe in a valley, but it's the valley of praise. It's the valley that belongs to Judah. Amen. And we're going to rejoice and we're going to bless him today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You're in that place today and you're ready to come out. Your mountain's going to know your voice. I can praise, but it won't help you. Your spouse can praise, but it won't help you. But if you open your mouth today, Zerubbabel, your mountain knows your voice. And that mountain will come down. I wonder where my praisers are this morning. I wonder where my worshipers are today in this house that'll say, I'm just going to give him a praise today right here in the valley of praise. I'm going to bless him and lift him up and rejoice in him this morning. If that's you, I want you to come today. Let's stand around this altar. And I want us to give him an ovation of praise and worship for a few minutes today to let our enemy know he will not silence our voice. He will not quiet us, but we're going to declare the promises of God over our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift up your voice and praise him here this morning. Glory to God. Come on, go ahead. Lift up your voice. Praise him today. Release the praise into the atmosphere. Remember what God has already done for you and his faithfulness over your life and give him praise today. Hallelujah. Come on and praise Him. Come on and praise Him. It's your praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. It's your breath. 